Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello and welcome everyone to the Future Tech Podcast. My name is Josh Thomas and with me I have Armin Ibrahimi from Showcard.com. Showcard is a mobile digital ID verified on the blockchain. Hello Armin, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you doing, Josh? I am fantastic and I'm I'm interested to learn more about the Showcard. Uh, tell me, uh, I'm, I'm familiar for the most part, with a a mobile ID and digital IDs, and uh, you know there are several instances of that already out there. But you're doing this on the blockchain. Talk to me a little bit about you know what's an example of uh, where this exists now and the added benefits of having it on the blockchain. Well, the premise behind what we have uh, with mobile digital IDs is to have the ID information that comes out of a mobile device and the data is with the user. Um, doesn't come from other central servers and so forth to, to validate the data. Um, but one inherent problem is security. When you actually present any kind of data out of a mobile device, especially some of the clients that we deal with, especially governments, uh, they have a, a genuine lack of trust with mobile devices because uh, they, they don't necessarily have a way of being able to verify that. The way that we've approached this thing is not having any trusted central databases or the da servers that ultimately come back and say, yep, indeed, this is a, a particular individual or that the data is correct. It is verified using certifications that have been uh, signed and sealed on the blockchain itself. So, in effect, what happens with the technology that we have is we remove trusted services yeah, and Showcard will be one of those. We remove those out of the equation and say, the data that we actually use for authenticating the authenticity of a mobile ID is based on what we can actually find on the blockchain, and any entity would be able to utilize that information for authentication. Okay, uh, so let's talk about some real-world examples. Um, where, where would you see the, the most common application of uh, your digital ID? Well, we've had the greatest uh, traction has been in the financial industry itself, as well as the enterprise. Those are two two big areas that we've had uh, success with. Um, can can you be can you be a little more specific? Sure. Let me let me talk about financial uh, industry itself, and then I'll talk about enterprise and examples of it. Within um, financial institutions, there are laws that have been in place now for some time, especially since 9/11. They refer to KYC, know your customer laws. 
part of that is being able to identify a user and know who you're banking with. And in the more recent years, especially because there are a lot of fintechs going out there and putting pressure on traditional banking, banks have been able to, have been in a position where they want to expand their services with more convenience, faster services, and better cross-bank uh, interchange of information. Now, in those cases, what we have are clients that actually use uh, our technology uh, to really speed up the process of KYC. Um, the process is as simple as uh, scanning your driver's license information, getting your second form of ID, getting biometrics, which is basically a, an image of the individual associated with that ID, getting that information on the mobile device and being able to do that pretty quickly, but then being able to pass that on to the bank to do the KYC process. And once the user is authenticated, the bank will use their own uh, private key to write a certification of that data on the blockchain. That's the onboarding process of, of a user. The benefits of it are when the user goes in to do other transactions, either with that bank or other financial institutions, they can pass their data uh, digitally and avoid, you know, a lot of the processes that we go through today. For example, when you call a call center, you do a, a credit card transaction, the transaction is denied for whatever reason, you've got to call the call center to re-enable your card, and you ask all kinds of questions about your identity, you know, who's your, you know, your mother's maiden name, uh, where'd you go to high school, what's the, your favorite color, information like that trying to identify you. Other than that, it is um, uh, open to fraud. The other part of it is it's very costly for the bank, it's also costly for users, as they go through the annoying process. The process can actually happen uh, rather easily well, where the call center will actually send a request to the user. They may ask for their biometrics um, or simply a signature which is invoked with their touch ID and goes back to them and they can know actually who the user is. So the idea behind what we do in the financial institutions are twofold. One is to remove friction and speed up the process. Once you've identified the user and you've gone through that lengthy KYC process once, not having to go through that again and again. And two is to be able to reduce costs, both for consumers as well as uh, for banks themselves. So that's one uh, example of how uh, in the financial institution we're being used today. The other uh, area where we've actually had more traction with as well has been the enterprise. Enterprise is, uh, if you look at a lot of uh, companies nowadays, they start doing more and more things on the cloud. With that, they've had separate username passwords for each one of those services. What we've seen in the past five or six years is a lot of those getting consolidated together through services that are single sign-on. When you log in once on the cloud and then you get access to all of those services, uh, and, and there are providers such as OneLogin, uh, Centrify, Okta, and so forth that provide that, but they're all still based on usernames and passwords. What we do with Showcard is we integrate into those with existing standards such as SAML and OpenID, Connect, and what we allow is the user being able to get on the, uh, the corporate services without having to have username, passwords, or second forms of uh, second factor that uh, some of them are very expensive. Uh, they're all rather cumbersome in the process. The user, uh, without usernames or passwords, either clicks on a link or scans a QR code or uses Bluetooth, depending on the environment, to be able to uh, pass their authentication, access the system, log on, never have to use usernames and passwords. 
Those are so let's let me ask this. So how uh, how does this differ, uh, or how do you how do you interact with this? Uh, is it just through, um, for instance, I have a, an iPhone and it has the uh, you know the, the fingerprint uh, scanner or the fingerprint on the on the home button? Is is does it hook into um, that and pull information from there, or you know explain a little more about how you actually interact sure. with this? So. What we do is we, uh, I'll just go through the tech a little bit to, to describe uh, how we do that to answer your question. We scan the data that the user has in different forms, and it, and it depends whether if it's an employee, it's an employee card, if it's a, a government ID, like a driver's license, we scan the data, um, create name value pairs of that data, and we encrypt it and keep it on the mobile device itself. It's not being used just yet. Real quick, what we do with that data is for each value, we create a one-way hash of the data, and we digitally sign it with the private key of the user, and we repeat that for every key value pair, your name, driver's license number, employee number, whatever that it may be, including your facial image when we use that for biometrics. And we put those digital signatures on the blockchain. That becomes your self-certification of that data. Um, when you present your data to another entity, I talked about a bank, could be your employer, whoever it is, they look at your data, they verify it, and they put similar signatures of hashes of your data on the blockchain as well. That's their certification of who you are. And they sign those with their own private key. Now, when you actually want to uh, interact with the system, if it's, let's say, a browser on your computer, you want to log in, when you go in to log in, what you present is, rather than a username password, is a QR code. Uh, using your Showcard app, you can scan that QR code, and with that, you get a, a message that comes up, a notification message that comes up on your screen, and then you gotta use your Touch ID in order to be able to invoke that. Now, what that does is it deals with access control so that a bad guy isn't able to use your phone, but the service provider may still want to make sure that it's used, so they could require additional uh, security depending on the transaction and say, we also ask you to take a selfie of yourself, a live image of yourself. And we deal with uh, liveliness of images just to make sure you don't hold the picture up in front of it. But we capture a new image, we've got the original image that was certified before, grab the data, and securely pass the data over to the server, where the server can then verify the data against the signatures on the blockchain and be able to do a facial comparison at the end of it and say, yep, indeed, the physical person was behind the phone and we were able to actually detect that. The biometrics that's actually used with Touch ID, that data is not something we can extract. Uh, Apple doesn't let us get access to it. Uh, similar thing with Android devices and so on. That's where we use additional biometrics so that we could do server-side validation of the data used in the blockchain. But that's the way the process works. Now, what I described was perhaps more steps involved than uh, what a user really goes through, they, that stuff happens in the background. For the user, simply uh, point out a QR code, use your Touch ID, maybe take a, a picture of yourself if you request it, and the transaction's done. Uh, if you're wiring, let's say, $10,000, that's a pretty easy trade-off as compared to either having to wait for an agent to call you to verify who you are, or actually having to drive to a bank, sign a piece of paper to do a wire transfer. Um, okay, so, so I can I can definitely see some uh, some real world uses for convenience here because I've I've had to do all of those things and uh, you know trying to remember my passcode when I 
uh, call the phone company or, you know, the, the, my first pet or my favorite movie when I was, you know, 27 years old, it's just, it's, it's kind of nerve wracking. And, and so I can definitely see the practical application of this here. And then in addition, you know, having wired money several times, uh, you know, if you're sending any five figure amount, um, you know, through your online banking or you try to do it that way, they, uh, they call you and they're like, uh, you know, Hey, what's up? Did you mean to send this? You got to come down to the bank. You know, I'm a busy guy. I don't want to come down to the bank. Just, I, you know, I'll answer your, your questions about my, you know, my, my dog's middle name or something and let's get this done. But, but yeah, I can definitely see some, some real world uses for that. And so let me just ask you real quick, as you were developing this, uh, technology. First of all, uh, when uh, when did it start? How, how long have you been developing it? And uh, you know, what was the motivation for this aside from the obviously the the convenience factor? Uh, so I started looking at new technologies in 2014. I had sold my last company to AOL, um, and I was there for that transition. And after I left that. I was really looking for new trends, new needs, uh, in a, and, and some of it would be existing needs, but new trends in technology that could help solve all problems. And that's when I started uh, playing around initially with blockchain and just mobile technologies. And in uh, February of 2015, we started the company. Um, but part of the reason I started even looking at this was uh, I spent 10 years at Yahoo from 1998 to 2008. And I was head of platform engineering at Yahoo, and one of the responsibilities I had was identity and fraud. So I was already introduced to the whole space and had to deal with, you know, central databases that hold username, passwords, and secret questions and all of that. And in fact, you know, as we saw, I left in 2008, but in 2013, uh, you know, the company had changed quite a bit, and they... Uh, brought the guards down, and that's when we saw the big breaches that happened with Yahoo, where three billion records were stolen, including usernames, passwords, secret questions, and other factors associated with authenticating users. Um, and I, as I would see all of this stuff, and, and by the way, those breaches have happened all over the place. They've happened with large banks. They've happened with uh, large merchants where user data has been stolen, and including authentication data. Uh, Equifax being the largest one that we've seen more recently. But as I started looking at those uh, and thought about blockchain, I thought that we could solve this you know, old problem that we've had in a very different way. Uh, username passwords uh, to date are the heart of how we do identification, digital identification, but that's a 40-year-old technology and we put a bunch of Band-Aids on it, but haven't really fixed the problem. So when I started looking at blockchain, I felt that... Hold on a second. You said this is a 40-year-old technology. I didn't realize it's been around that long. Well, um, certainly I've been uh, I, I, I've been around the industry for a long time, been working for well over 30 years. Um, and before that, when I was going to school, early days dealing with computers, logging into any account, you, what you required was a username and a password. So um, that username, password methods of logging in has really been around for about four decades. Now, we've that's, enhanced that's, it. Now, that's an amazing perspective that we just put on this because I never really second-guessed the archaic nature of uh, typing in a username and password until you just told me that that's how we've been logging in for 40 years. Yeah. You know, we just haven't gotten used to it. Yeah, so it's definitely ripe for uh, innovation, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. 
And here's the other thing, other trend that we've been seeing. Um, one of the other industries we've been working with are airlines. And they're a little bit slower in the process of moving forward, but we've actually had good traction with uh, the major airlines as well and airports. And this is where we start tying more and more so your digital credentials to your physical credentials. And within the airport, um, the key thing with identification that's important is how to get rid of those long wait lines. And 99.9% of the people are supposed to be able to go through the airport without any trouble. So if you can identify those people and they can go through self-service gates and they already have been um, verified and certified and using their uh, mobile phone, and in those cases we use Bluetooth to actually exchange data with um, self-service gates that are equipped with cameras, being able to get individuals through those gates, get, uh, you know, when you're checking in your bags at the airport to when you go through security lines and other lines, being able to shorten that wait time, which again, it, it's removing friction for the travelers, um, it, you know, increasing the experience of the travelers, but also there's huge economic value for both airlines, airports, as well as governments, where actually have to staff individuals and uh, really rent real estate to be able to let people to go through. So as we're seeing the tie between the physical world and the digital world, they need to move away from using a password becomes even greater uh, because that's the only way you could really identify yourself in a, a fast physical transaction as well. Okay, and so do you think that this is the this is the future of uh, identity verification? And if so, how long before uh, there's a widespread adoption of this? Um, good questions. I think the answer to the first question, uh, I do believe that this is the future way that identification will evolve. And it, it's basically distributed identification. We look at a lot of the trends with regards to requirements, for example, that's happening in the EU with GDPR requirements. Um, the requirements that individuals and users uh, be in control of their own data rather than having in central databases, um, and users being able to authorize which pieces of the data is shared. That requires, inherently requires uh, distributed identification, which is very different than central identification as we have it today. I think blockchain itself as a technology has come a long way over the past uh, three years. We've only been at this for about two and a half years, and in our own space, we're actually considered to be one of the older players. That's how fast the space is evolving, and if, if blockchain has gone. Yeah, from, you've been around. You've been around two years. I mean, you're basically a dinosaur in the blockchain world, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Things have really progressed quite a bit, but what's happening is that the acceptance. You know, it went from curiosity to interesting to in, in many of our clients. If we don't provide a solution that's on the blockchain, they're not even interested in working with us. So it is evolving, but I think there's more progress that needs to be made. You know, uh, the approach we've taken is we, we have a disruptive technology, but we're looking at evolutionary adoption of that. And I think that's necessary. You know, the 40-year-old username password technology that I told you about, it's hard to get rid of that overnight. And an evolution process needs to happen, but that will naturally slow down parts of the process. It's hard for me to predict when we'll get there but what we do anticipate is the same thing that we see with all the other hockey stick adoptions of things. Social media 10 years ago just didn't exist. People didn't spend this much time on it. And, you know, the, the past 10 years is a relatively short period of time. But you look at 
for example, Facebook and LinkedIn and their adoption, um, it's really been a hockey stick, right? Um, and we see that happening with identification, and especially, it's not so much just the convenience, it's the security requirements of being able to get rid of those central databases that get hacked. Uh, that's pushing more and more enterprises to actually look at a more secure way of being able to deal with identity. But it's hard to predict the, second, the answer to the second question, you know, when will we see it as mainstream? I think we'll see it in more and more uh, solutions. But for it to be mainstream across the board, that's harder to predict. Yeah, understandable. And so this is a, a vital piece of the future, and we're really glad that you came on here and shared this with us. This has been Armin Ebrahimi from Showcard.com, and I'll spell that for you. It's S-H-O-C-A-R-D, Showcard.com, the mobile digital ID verified on the blockchain. Armin, really appreciate you coming on here. Any final thoughts before we go? Um, it's just exciting to be a part of the part of the future uh, once more. So we're looking forward to what's ahead. It'll be a lot better world ahead for us. And thank you. Thank you very much, Armin. And uh, for more information and to learn more about this technology, you can visit showcard.com. Once again, that's S-H-O-C-A-R-D. Until next time, I'm Josh, and this has been the Future Tech Podcast. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.